0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Strongcast. I'm your host, Armstrong Williams. So Natasha Um Richburg, Tom King, and Christian Bernard are joining us today to talk about churches. Um, how many of you do you are you a church goer, Natasha? Yes, I am a church. I've always been a church goer. I've always been go Yes, I am. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Christian? Yeah. Um, and have churches changed much for you over the Yes. Last several decade, and has it changed in a meaningful, progressive way?
2: Positive or negative? Would you? <laughs> it has changed in a progressive way. I don't know how meaningful.
0: How can churches ever be in, a, in associated with anything negative?
1: Well, I think part of it is because communities are still segregated largely, yeah. and so churches, in a large, it are mostly just a reflection of the communities that they reside in. Uh, and so we have seen meaningful progress insofar as there there has been a limited amount of desegregation across the country, but I still think that the reason that churches are still largely serve a majority population of black, white, Hispanic, um, is because communities are still segregated.
0: Then maybe um, you need to attend Catholic churches. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the answer because they don't seem to be segregated. It seems to be the most diversified place. I attend Catholic churches. I attend apostolic churches, I attend synagogues, sometimes I go to the mosque. And I will tell you, Catholic churches, um, maybe it's not necessarily because those communities are no different, but people who are Catholics find their way to their place of worship. It doesn't matter what their race or their income
3: Well, What, what about the, the percentage of whites versus blacks? Is it pretty equal or, or not? Well, God sent them <coughs> as um,
0: saints trying to get to heaven. Sure. So I don't think a uh, Senate's trying to get to heaven. I mean, I. Uh, <laughs> but, the, okay. yeah. but
3: the reason the reason I ask is well, because no, no,
0: no, no. You, you, know, I, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about whether churches are segregated and whether colleges and universities are, are segregated. Um, but people, when they find themselves in church, they find them church themselves in church because they're looking for stability. They have a burden they want to lead there. Okay, a family member could be in crisis. Yes, um, and it could be praying for somebody else. Yes, or they may be praying for the opportunity, yes. or they just need the fulfillment because the Bible does tell us that our souls are restless, O oh Lord, until they rest in Thee. Do you actually think people go to church on Sunday? Oh, I got to make sure I end up in this place where most people look like me.
1: Do you actually think that's on their mind? No, I think there are cultural differences in worship style, right. to be honest. Yes. Some of that has related to class. Uh, right. My mother actually was attending a church in um, Newport News area a couple years ago, and it was before my dad had moved down to the area. And the church was uh, majority black. And I went to a couple mm-hmm. services with her, and I- I'm white, obviously, we're audio, so. <laughs> really? um, But um, when I attended the service, I noticed that there were real differences in the flavor of the worship yes. style and the needs of the congregation. Um, and it was super meaningful to me. How
0: would it be different if you attended Jimmy Swaggart's
1: church during his heyday? Well, I, I uh, wh-
0: think. What would the difference be?
1: Okay, so one thing that I noticed was there were a lot. There was a lot of prayer about finances, right? right? In an yes. upper class white church, that is never not in the Jimmy
0: Swaggart church. I'm sorry. And Tammy Baker and That's Jimmy good. Baker, they talked about finances. So yeah. I'm challenging you. Well, what it, it, it I, I don't think you can reduce it always to race. I don't think you
3: can either. Well, no, but it's, it's a big factor. factor. Okay, where, where is the factor? Well, for example, as, as was mentioned, in, in the black community, most people that attend those churches feel comfortable there. So they don't, they don't usually go outside of their own particular neighborhood. And that usually is a black church, because in most of the United States, it's still, it's still uh, fairly segregated. Okay, so is the message black? No, but I have. No.
0: I have. So wait, wait, help me with the message. So is there such a thing as a black, white well, message?
3: The interpretation a little so bit different. So are they there for the
0: message or are they there for something else?
3: Well, style makes a big difference, too. Okay. Yeah. And, and, the, and the message hopefully is not different. But the fact that I think majority of black churches have a certain style. That black people seem accustomed to. Yeah, Elvis Presley us
0: that. When he robbed them of their culture, he <laughs> became a sensational in music. That has always happened. That well, he l- did. Listen, the Bible's a
1: big book. <laughs> right, And when I go to black churches and I hear people citing uh, verses in the Old Testament that talk about that talk about injustice yes. and oppression, yes. there is not nearly as much discussion about that stuff in white churches. What is it? Not because uh, they are ignoring necessarily that part of the Bible, but it's this part of the Bible that does not speak as much right. to their experience. Wait, wait they might not intentionally be choosing that, yeah. but I right. think that that is the But do you part
0: find that say. message in synagogues?
1: Certainly, yeah. certainly. I'm not saying it's not there at all. There, I mean, I've been to majority white Protestant churches that yeah. do talk about racial injustice, and I think there has been some movement on that, some acknowledgement in mainstream Protestant culture. White pastors actually acknowledging the factors of racial injustice and how much it's discussed in the Bible. But there's still a long way to go. I, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's reducible to race. Once you talk about class, socioeconomic status, yeah. already com- communal segregation, that's when it, I think there's a better explanation in those facts.
0: You know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world. I've gone to churches where the churches you would consider all black. And the minister's wife.
1: Right.
2: It's but filled with fire the, and brimstone. But they get the culture. They get the culture, man. And you Who can is feel, they? The congregation <laughs> can feel the culture. That's how some priests can have all black congregations and the congregation loves them because culturally they get it. The, the whoever the leader is in a particular church. And in Catholic churches, I have most of my cousins are Catholic. You have to go through a set of training. That you go to to become Catholic if you're converting, and through that they just love it, and they don't see color, but the culture of the rhythm of the priest—that's what they like. And well, the, I go with them sometimes. Well, this
0: is a different conversation. There's a difference in talking about culture and right. talking about race,
2: right? And that's what we're trying. But, to it, but it's
3: also a part of yeah. that—the overall picture.
2: Yeah, because like right now, hip hop is trying to own a culture and a movement, and they even call culture vultures if you don't give credit to. <laughs> don't they call them culture yeah, vultures? Yeah. And so now, I wouldn't have said this ten years ago. Right. It's it's more culture. I, I I'm an adjunct at UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and I see my students who are culturally relevant. I don't care mm-hmm. what country they come from. I've had Chinese boys wear do-rags. Mm. And I say, take that thing off in my class. <laughs> because culturally they think they're relevant to the hip hop culture. Yeah. I ain't saying it's right. Yeah. All I'm saying it's right. <laughs> and they don't segregate, they integrate because of culture.
0: You know, I I, I, I I had um you know you know when you're in the television business, you get all kind of projects that people want you to review. Yeah. They want to come on TV or they think it's something that can become a TV show on your platform. And every blue moon, every blue moon, I will read it depending on who sent it. And I read a, a, um, a book um, that someone is pushing to be published. And it's a young man who have attended private schools all his life. Ivy League schools, Ivy League schools all his life. In fact, he graduated from Georgetown and uh, recently in finance. And he was talking about, it was really fascinating to me, about what it's like being middle class and black, but at these Ivy League institutions, going on vacations, spending time at the family homes, and some of the kind of these things that come out of their mouth. But what was most fascinating to me was he talked about doing lunch hour and the black table that there was a thing called the black table where only Mm -hmm. the blacks would have lunch. Mm -hmm. That started their freshman year. But what happened was they began to develop relationships with whites and Jews. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden their friends would challenge them to say, well, are we not welcome? Are we not friends? Have we not broken down those barriers? Mm -hmm. Because they're welcome at their table. Well, you would consider it a white table because it's all white. And then all of a sudden in the junior year, of college they began to say, "You know what? I can't sit at this table because I'm betraying my friendship." It's not a principal thing and I can't excuse it anymore with my friends. They make a point. So, the point of the book is, yes, you can have these ideas. You can feel that you are more comfortable and the conversation is better if you're surrounded by your own, but it's only because you've been isolated That's right. and you've not That's been right. a citizen of the world. Yes. And when yeah. you become a citizen of the world, these ideas And these ideologies and these perceptions that you have are forced to change because the relationship changed them.
3: You know, there are a lot of colleges who are recruiting black students. And what they seem to do is they ask them if they're considered to be minorities or not. And when they are, they have a a special segregated section for them. And so you, you are listed as minority and it pretty much carries through. Your entire college career, if you will, here the time you, that you're there. And that, that puts you into a certain category from the very beginning as far as isolation is concerned and segregation is concerned.
0: But you're, you're, you, being a professor, can relate to right. what happens when relationships and intimacy changes it. And it throws everything in chaos for you. Everything you ever taught. Then you're returning home, challenging your parents, because you see that in what they have around the dinner table. They tell you who you can trust, and then all of a sudden they say, "Well, I don't know about that. I trust them." And then they say, and their parents would say, "You can never trust that white person as much." They say,
2: ah, in and my history with them, I, I don't know about." You know what? I have another unique. Yes. And I have a student, Hindu, girlfriend, Muslim, all <laughs> from the Middle East. The Muslim girlfriend's parents made her break up with him mm. because he is Hindu. Right. And I was doing a talk saying no matter where you go in the world, well, you have to embrace others religion. I don't care if you like it, embrace it, do as they do. And he felt the need to talk to me because his heart was broken. I said they are lost because you're a good guy. Mm. And And somebody's gonna get you one day.
3: And and we we talk a lot about that, but in actuality, as far as the the communities are concerned, there is a separation and an isolation, Mm -hmm. regardless of how we look at one or two that are the exceptions. But the bottom line is the majority have that divide. And as things go, sometimes the, the divide is getting even wider.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, the universities in this country that are real the real engines of diversity desegregation are not the Ivy League schools right. that have to implement these sometimes very rigid affirmative action programs. It's the affordable, really yes. high quality. Right. That's right. I have really great diverse student bodies and they're awesome engines of upward socioeconomic mobility. That's right. I think though that's where some of the most meaningful uh, diversity and those conversations where people are breaking down barriers, having the courage to mm-hmm. talk to people that they may not be able, they may not have thought they could relate to. Um, but I didn't sometimes at the Ivy league schools, it's a little bit different. Right. And,
2: and I can say this and, umbc and i can't remember who but let's say it was waka flocka (laughs) was coming for homecoming thank you what you look like they was all that's right yeah 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 yeah, yeah." Yeah. regardless of the color regardless of the religion they was excited about it i wasn't but they Uh, were excited uh, about it and they were they were one and they cussed yeah yeah and still excited about it
3: but it's a small percentage too i think when those
1: interactions happen uh, there's going to be a lot of awkwardness like that. People are going to be. overstep boundaries, yes. and um, it's a give and take. You have to negotiate those things, um, but there needs to be that trust. Yes, at the yes trust is if the word. You don't go into it with trust, uh, the first that the the first point somebody oversteps a boundary, does something that you feel is culturally insensitive or you know, inconsiderate of you and your background, and you just push them away. That's actually the moment I think those conversations, you can really lean into them. But you both have to be open to listening.
3: And you have to be willing to realize that there will be some awkward moments, Mm -hmm. but you have to work through Mm -hmm. the awkward moments in order to really get together the way you should.
2: Mm. And one of my most awkward moments is 9-11 with all of my students from the Middle East. Mm. And on 9-11, I have to say to them, if that was my Uncle Willie that did it, you can't hate me. That's right. Just like I can't hate you. That's an awkward, scary time for them. It is. We're remembering, and they're scared. But y'all, my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and even different ones that have to go out and pray at five. I'm like, it's five. It's time to pray. You better go uh, pray. <laughs> you know, I make sure they pray, and then yeah. they can see I love them no matter yeah. what.
3: And they be, they need to be embraced based on what their culture says that they should do. What it dictates for them to do. And
2: some of their cultures don't allow them to shake my hand. You know how that is in different cultures. I'm a girl, and well, that's, I. I that's like if
0: them. you're in the. I was in, in um, Israel some years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we were, had a session with the <clears throat> unorthodox Jews. And while they embraced me and were shaking my hand, some of the other women who I would consider a little more feminist extended their hand and they refused to shake right. it. Yeah, and right. they were really been out of shape, offended, right. but they have to the respect right. that's who that's who they are. So let me let me let me raise this with you, since we're on this topic, um, and you all know someone. That is, parents. It is one thing to date someone within your religion. Right. If you're Catholic. Right. If you're Jewish. If you're Muslim. But to me, it's a sin to tell a child or an adult you can't date someone because they're white, or because they're black, or because they're Jewish. To me, to, to me, that is immoral. But yet, in some, and listen, there's a pushback in all cultures on That's there right. yeah. that the mother wants you to bring home a man that looks like her father the <laughs> father wants you to bring home a daughter that looks like your mother and vice versa and if we're having this conversation on the church level and we're having this kind of conversation on the collegiate level if you're at home saying you can be friends you can be best friends you can go on vacation together but you cannot it's forbidden for you to date each other because I was watching I was really fascinated with the um, um, D-Day celebration uh, that we recently had when our president was in Europe. And one of the things I was shocked by is that there was a documentary on what happened to all the mixed race babies where when the US soldiers were stationed in the UK mm-hmm. and even though they told the women that they could not mix with them, they did. And they had over two or 300 children born out of wedlock and the military general said to the young men who felt they were in love with these women who happened to be black you cannot marry them nor can you claim them they put them and all these kids in an orphanage and here we are 50 or 60 years later and these kids are looking for their parents i mean to me that they have that kind of sick mentality it's just imagine you as an individual cannot escape the scars of that as a child as an adult who were the parents of those kids. But how do you break down the, 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 the mindset that l- the heart knows no color?
2: Well, I know. I just want to say back to the Hindu. I told him he's going to grow his parents up. I say, love who you're going to love. They'll get over it because they love you.
3: <laughs> Sooner or later, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and if they don't, they're lost.
3: We know even with the families, I, I, I noticed, for example, the difference when when my kids were younger versus my grandkids, it's, it's a completely different scenario between the way my kids treated black kids and white kids, especially as far as white girls are concerned, versus my grandsons. There's a completely different mindset there. And that to me, that's where it really begins within the family. What is the different mindset?
2: It's a culture. It's,
3: it's it, that's right. It's a culture. It's a culture. It's, it's more. It's more. uh accept. It's readily more acceptable.
2: Right.
3: With, for example, my grandkids, as opposed to my kids.
2: A culture. But that's
3: a generation.
2: But yeah, but culturally, I've seen white people more culturally what we think how an African American would act, and some African American and some African more culturally sure. Caucasian than some Caucasian. So, how they were raised culturally, and I noticed the cultures are coming together more than the race with the younger
1: ones. I think there's a fundamental disagreement, especially Mm -hmm. amongst extreme progressives today, over what the ultimate goal of society is. I think that for maybe last, I've heard narratives, I heard narratives growing up that the goal was to have a completely integrated society where essentially race (laughs) didn't exist. (laughs) And um, I think that's kind of a. at the very least overly simplistic way of the future. Now I think what people are bringing into the conversation is actually racial and cultural identity aren't things that should just be washed away with all the interactions. But with that, I think there has been an overcorrection where people say, well, because we need to retain our differences, we can't really connect past a certain level. And I don't think that's true. It is. And the problem is people enter these conversations saying, we have these separate identities so therefore, we can only connect to a certain level, there's not gonna be much more from, from there on out. I think that's probably the, yeah. the source of the problem.
3: Because we seem to say, well, let's look at our, we're more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. But if you don't look at the differences, the differences. then you, you'll never really come together.
2: And I always say uh, a battery a battery has a plus and a minus, and that's what makes it work. That's right. Our differences make us work, mm-hmm. and people keep running from it, but that's what makes us yeah. healthy. I'm sure Denise is tall. That's what makes us work. <laughs> what makes us work is the differences, the friction and learning to continue to right. learn. And when they bring a new country song to me and I go, oh, it's all right. All right. <laughs> OK, let me know. you know, that makes us work because they, they make me gravitate yeah. to what they're doing and at least understand it, even if I don't like it.
3: And we have to appreciate the differences and not just overlook them and realize that you do things a little bit more differently than I do. But that doesn't mean that I should change the way I do things or you change the way you do things as far as culture is concerned. And we get along much better.
0: You know, you can't ignore, though, that sometimes at the highest level of law and order and and sometimes at the level of just human beings, when you hear someone... Uh, being killed uh, because they're black, uh, it has to give pause to young people that no matter what we do as everyday citizens, there's still people and even a system that doesn't necessarily look beyond the hue of somebody's skin. So as much as we want as individuals want to be move beyond these labels and to believe that we're all the same and not any different. the law sometimes and people in power remind us that you're treated differently. And that also has to play into (coughs) society. That's right.
3: Absolutely.
2: It does. But even us, I know African-Americans who are afraid to go in Baltimore City. And I refuse to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I go in my city all the time and just hang out with my man. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be afraid. (laughs) So social economically, I shouldn't be there if I was going to be afraid. So it's on us to show that we love the city. And then they'll love us as being part of the city. That's how I see it. But we're afraid of ourselves sometimes. And I refuse to be afraid. <laughs> what, what
0: about what about this deeper issue? Um, you, you just said something going into Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear, you, you know, in the broadcast world, you get to hear sort of the most,